You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You don't just live in your home. You live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. If y'all did not have a chance to listen to last week's episode with Lisa Valentino, Allison Foy's sister, you need to go back and listen because she lays the groundwork beautifully for the victimology in this case. That's going to be imperative for you to listen to and kind of catch up a little bit so that what we're listening to today with Monica and Lisa both is going to make more sense to you. So in the last episode, we talked about the case of Allison Foy, who was last seen alive on July 30th, 2006 at Junction Pub on Carolina Beach Road in Wilmington, North Carolina. Her remains were then discovered in a wooden area about three miles away from the bar in 2008. She had been stabbed about 40 times. There was only one suspect in the case of Allison Foy, the cab driver that picked her up from Junction Pub, Timothy Iannone. It is imperative when you are working a cold case that you know what's already been done, what's already been tried by somebody. You don't want to just be on a conveyor belt not going anywhere. You want to make sure that you're not wasting anybody's time or talents by doing something that's already been tried. In this case, it was so important that I talked to Monica Kaysen because Monica not only had insight on this case because she had her eyes and ears on the street, honey. All right, y'all, I gotta tell y'all a little bit more about this woman. It's not enough to say she runs the Q Center. Y'all need to understand that the Community United Effort, C-U-E, the Q Center for Missing Persons was founded by Monica Kaysen in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1994. Since then, she has advocated for finding missing persons. She has helped over 12,000 families in the most difficult, confusing, and desperate times of their life. Monica, again, was the founder. She started the whole thing. And she decided 
that she would only have 100% volunteers on her staff. Everybody volunteers their time and talent that works for the Q Center. That's an amazing organization, and that is something that I think we can all applaud. And the really unique thing, and this is one of those situations where timing matters, and there's just no accident sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's right in your face when a miracle is just presented. So here Lisa is in Wilmington. She doesn't know anybody. Her sister had just moved there, and she's just desperate. She's staying at a hotel, and a person that works there finds out why they're staying there and what they're in town to do, which is find her missing sister. And the hotel worker says to Lisa, you need to call this woman, Monica Kaysen. She's local, and that's what she does, is search for missing people. And in that small act of kindness started not only the recovery of Allison, but it also started, and you will hear it, a bond of friendship between Lisa and Monica. And Monica has been a part of Lisa's team from almost the very beginning. In a day or two, Monica was able to take them around town, show them the layout of Wilmington, make them understand what the police were doing and what they were not doing and why. She went with Lisa to the body disposal site. She went with her to the police department. She went with her on searches. She knows by name people that help others because of their loss. So again, we need to hear from Monica because she knows things on this case that the DA doesn't, that the police, they're not aware of. She's done things on her own that can shed some light on this investigation. Lisa, I think it is time for you and I to bring Monica Kaysen into this conversation. And Monica, before you even say one word, I've just got a few things I need to say because I want my listeners to know Monica is exactly who she is all the time. No matter if she is at a search with her dogs or if she's at the governor's mansion, she's the same person. And she doesn't need a whole lot of fanfare. She doesn't need a whole lot of praise. I can literally send this woman a page thanking her for doing this and doing that and how much I appreciate her and all the good work she's done. She's just extraordinary. And I'll get back. Okay. (laughs) 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 And I love her for that. But I just want y'all to know that before she starts talking, because if I try to really compliment her, she's not about that. She's about the work that she does and that she's been called to do. But Monica, welcome to Zone 7, and I just appreciate you being here. Tell us about the Q Center, how you started it, what's it all about, and how can people find you to help you out if they have some extra holiday money they want to do something good with? Well, we were founded in 1994 to basically be a liaison between communities, family, and law enforcement when it concerns a missing person. In addition, we advocate for the victims and the families that are left behind to endure this horrible nightmare, whether it be for two days, two years, or, or more, and we actively suffer. So we, we have networked and built resources over the many years, and we, we try to show up, you know, and we try to, to be there, just not a, a post or in a phone call kind of thing, but we, we try to be there, you know, until the end. 
and even sometimes past that, I just felt there was a need. I saw firsthand and I saw the need of these families that go home. They're told to go home and wait by the phone kind of thing. And, and they, they were desperate to do something, but they didn't know what to do. So we're that direction. And we just try to be there to, you know, answer the call for help as many times as we can a year. There are so many missing people, you know, over 600,000 nationwide. And, you know, I feel like ours is just a small fraction, but we work hand in hand with all of our victims. We know they're other extended family members. We know the situations. We try to help wherever we can. And, you know, and that's pretty much just sums us up in, in a statement there. I mean, we just try to advocate and search. Over the years, I have found out no matter what you do for a family, the one thing they all want is someone to search, someone to get out there and look. And I don't ever want a family to have to find their own loved one because they have. They get so desperate for help. So we want to be that help. And, and even sometimes when we can't get there immediately and we know that family is in desperate need, we'll even send other people to get there quicker. So that's pretty much who we are. We're 100% nonprofit. No one receives a paycheck. I have tremendous, dedicated, wonderful, sacrificing volunteers constantly. My state directors, our search volunteers, our regular volunteers. And, you know, we just constantly build on that so people can always you know, volunteer, do something. Even if it's one time a year, you're doing something that someone else won't have to do. Amen. And, you know, and that's pretty much it. People are like, oh, I don't want to commit. I got to be everywhere. You don't have to be everywhere all the time. You know, you just have to be there and show up when it's needed and when you can, because that's what volunteering is about, is when you can fit it into your schedule. I just had this conversation the other day with somebody. I have one girl that comes once a month and gives me, you know, six full hours of her time. But what she does in that six hours, it takes away about four days of work, you know, for the average volunteer that comes in. So I don't care what your limitations are. There's something we can find for you to do. And we just encourage you to volunteer. And, and you know, with the new year coming up, that's when people are doing resolutions. You know, I encourage you to get out and do something, even if it's not with us, do something within your community because everyone is desperately in need of volunteers. Now, you are no stranger to searches and working canines. Do you have any idea how many searches you have been on, Monica? This month? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was funny because I was, we were talking one day and I was like, when I first started, I started a scrapbook, you know, like I'm going to, you know, like probably six or seven months into that scrapbook that was aborted and I never looked back because it's just too much. I mean, it's hard enough keeping up with your dog training records and your where your dogs are going and stuff. And I probably could go back and even count that out. But even before I had dogs, I mean, we were on searches, you know, all the time. And, and now we've grown so much with our state outreach coordinators that we could have three or four searches going on in in one day around the, the nation, you know? So no, I can't, if I had time to count that, then I would have too much time on my hands. I love that answer. Well, it's it's the truth. I mean, because... (laughs) No, I love it. You know, we study, you know, we just keep going forward and try to do what we can. And, you know, I don't don't count the searches. You know, some people count per day a search, then it would be in the millions. But we count like, I could be there 16 days digging a hole and that's one search for me. That's right. And, you know, (laughs) everybody else is like, oh, that would be 16 days of search. I said, well, it is 16 days of searches, but I never left. So it's one search. So it's still that one search. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, that's that's where we're at. No, I feel the same way. People ask me, you know, how many cases have you worked on? I have no idea. 
I, I wouldn't even know how to even start counting. But let me ask you this. When you first met with Lisa, did you have a plan in your head or were you just, let's get out there and go and start where we need to start? Be truthful. Yes, I had a plan in my hand, but I, had him, but I didn't I didn't like Lisa um, <laughs> when I first met her. I was like, oh, boy, you know, we got this Yankee going on, you know, and she's, you know, got all the answers. But yet, yet I'm the one called. But uh, the first few days we were riding around and whatnot, it was like, I don't know how to say it. it was hard because I'm used to getting out on the street and being able to stop and talk to prostitutes. They're like, oh, don't get out. And I'd just jump out the car and leave them. Go, go around the block and pick me up. So it was kind of, you know, it was tough, but, you know, they needed something to do. So it's like, okay, you can ride around, but turn right here and just let me off at the corner and go on and come back and get me. And, and it was a lot of that, but, you know, just trying to get out. And I determined in the first few days of just riding around and doing that and giving posters and going to like gangbangers houses and you know drug dealer houses and all this that the shoe wasn't out on that street you deserve a moment to yourself every single day and a delicious bite of a keebler sandies can give you that comforting pause Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Monica herself has some confidential informants that she goes to these streetwise people and says, hey, have you seen this woman? And shows them a picture of Allison Foy. She takes them and shows them the layout of Wilmington. She takes them to the rough parts, the seedier side. And everybody on the street says we hadn't seen her. Well, that tells Monica a lot about this case. It also tells her a lot about where Allison might be and the harm that potentially came to her. Monica takes Lisa and them 
and helps them get missing persons posters not just made but put up everywhere. She stays with the family and is basically a liaison between them and law enforcement. Her help was invaluable. So, Monica, you're out. You are boots on the ground. You've got your contacts, your CIs, whatever you're working with, your people. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to trust the streets. I trust the streets because these people, I've earned their trust over the years looking for missing people. I even had one lady from a balcony one time when I was walking through the hood, you know, and I heard some guy say, what is she doing here? You know, she's the police. And she goes, you better leave that girl alone. She's just here looking for some missing children. And I giggled in my, in, to myself, like, you know, because that's the truth. You know, they know yeah. I'm not there to worry about what I see or what else is going on. I'm just there looking for somebody and looking for information. And, you know, I've just been successful and, and the information people have told me has pretty much always panned out to be correct or lead me in the right direction to get the answers I need. In Allison's case in particular, I remember that we had pulled up in a really rough area and I told Lisa and them, just let me out. And it was at a car wash, but there was a curtain over the car wash. And when you go in, it's like a bar and, you know, it's got stalls for prostitution and things like that and so forth. And I was like, just go around the block and pick me up. And there was this big, you know, African-American dude with dreadlocks stand there. And, you know, he brought me on in and sat down and I, you know, offered me a drink. I was like, no, I'm just here to, you know, talk about this girl. And I said, there's rumors that, you know, she's over here, da, 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 da. And, you know, we talked for a few minutes and he poured himself a drink and sat there and looked at me and goes, she ain't here. And I believe that. He says, she ain't here. She ain't been here. He said, now we, some new girls come in the other night. He said, but I'm telling you, I'd, I'd remember her. I'd remember that face. And he goes, she's way older. So I, you know, I walked out of there, got back in the car and I'm like, yeah, she ain't here. And then I went by a few other people's houses and same thing, you know, you guys stay in the car, I'll be back and talk to them because they are people in the community that they know what's going on in their neighborhood. They know I'm not there to, to, you know, get anybody a torch or anything else. I'm just looking for this girl. And that was my main goal was the first week was to determine, is she really out here? Are all these rumors true? What's going on? And I told Lisa and them right off the bat, you know, in the first few days, I said, your sister ain't out here on these streets. I mean, these streets would talk. And I don't care what what anybody else is telling you, you know, these people have no reason to lie to me. And you're not out to hurt anybody. And that trust that you have built, that is unwavering. And when you talk about human trafficking or you talk about putting somebody out on the track, they're not going to do it two miles from her house. She wouldn't have been there anyway. No, everything lined up right away. You know, I kind of, my gut feeling was she was definitely in trouble. You know, like this was not anything she did on her own. This was not something that got away from her, you know, as far as her going out and losing track of time or any of this other stuff. And the one thing I remember that Lisa kept saying is she would not do this to her kids. She would not leave her kids. She would not leave her kids. And that stuck with me. And, and, you know, it was within a few days, I believed that. And I still believed it today, you know? No question. No question yeah. about and, it. And you got to listen to the families. You know, we as advocates in law enforcement, whomever, you come into these cases, you don't know any of the backstory as far as the family dynamics or whatever. And yeah, you can learn them as you go or what have you. But no one knows this person best than the people that love this person and shared their life with them. So who are we to cast any kind of judgment or opinions or even come in and say, oh, well, we heard this and we heard that, you know, the families are going to know. 
nine times out of 10, the families, you know, are right. I mean, when I have a mother that looks at a pond for two months straight and tells me, I know the police are having you search everywhere else, please search this pond. And then I recover her son from that pond. Um, you know, it's like, I remember out searching the woods and glancing over and seeing her stand there glazing or whatever you call it, looking at this pond. And I remember running my dog and kind of looking over to the left and just seeing her like, mm, we got to do that pond. That mama's got that gut feeling, you know, you got to listen to them. And so I don't know. I just, I've lived my life as far as missing people to try to listen to the families, to make sure that, you know, I can relate to that missing person. In other words, this could be my daughter. This could be my sister. This could be my mom, my dad, my grandfather, you know, and I honor that situation when I look for them, you know, at all times. And and that's what a lot of people don't get. You got to put yourself in those shoes. They always say distance yourself. I'm the other way around. I've got to be in that to feel that anger and that pain and that loss and all that to get out there and get that drive to keep searching one more time. And we have a saying sometime when we get to the end of the day with the searchers and they're like, you know, does anybody got any more in them? Can we push past the pain? And everybody's, everybody's always on board. We'll push past the pain. And, and that's it. Like when you're just, you've searched for hours and hours and it's hot, it's cold, raining, whatever, you know, you do that one more time and you have to believe that one more time might find that person. And, and you got to believe that from the pain and agony you feel from that's generated from the family that goes into you when you're on that case. I feel like you just gave a masterclass on missing persons and how to search. That's the way I do it. I mean, you know, everybody else can have their own methods, but I want to be affected. You know, when we have our candlelight visual every year, you know, people are like, well, it's such a sad time. I said, it needs to be a sad time. We're not out here celebrating birthdays. We're out here celebrating memories, honoring memories. So it needs, we need somebody in that audience to, you know, be affected and maybe it will change their life and they'll go do good somewhere to help someone. Maybe they'll remember this day a year from now when there's a, a missing kid and people are calling for volunteers or, you know, maybe they'll remember when they're passing somebody at Walmart trying to, you know, sell a raffle ticket so they can raise money to go out and search for a total stranger. Maybe they'll be kind and stopped and buy two instead of one, you know? I remember the first time I came to the candlelight vigil that y'all were hosting. R beautiful spot, right on the water. I mean, it just unbelievably gorgeous. And all the lights and the street lamps. I mean, it was just compelling to even be in that moment, hearing all the speakers and everything. But my daughter Caroline and my son Huck, they were very young at the time. And they knew from just being at the conference for a few days, there were like four families they had met. But that night at the vigil, you had a huge display with all of these faces. Both of them were so affected. Caroline started crying immediately. And Huck was like, you know, mama, there's so many. And I think, you know, again, the empathy, the understanding, the gut-wrenching reality of what each of these families is experiencing is important. And I work the same way. People say you're not supposed to go to a crime scene and not feel something and not get teary-eyed. Yep. I remember I was looking on, you know, social media and I saw one of my cases where the mom had went back out to put wrap balloons around a telephone pole on a dirt road dead in the woods and whatnot. 
and seeing them, you know, the daughter growing up year after year after year. And it's been, you know, almost 10 years and I still got upset like and mad, you know, because it's like, how dare these people rob these people of their loved one, her daughter, if you will. And and here's the next generation going out being taught. This is what you do to honor her when I'm gone. I, I still need you to come out to this day gone pole, you know, in the middle of the woods. And that's all they know about their mom. You know, and she's left with the the packaging of all, you know, her life trying to survive through that, plus missing her daughter. And it's just it's just so unfair, like that, you know, that's all she has is this one place where she knows her daughter was at. And it just it's, it, you know, forgive me, but it just sucks, you know, and this it's she's one out of thousands that are on bridges or out on boats or dirt roads and set in the woods that they would never go to or in a parking lot at a grocery store where these loved ones last left some kind of trace of their self because that's all they have until they're found. And then when they're found, you know, you see crosses up all along the roads and things. And it's just not drunk drivers. This is where a body was found. This is where a, a worker on the highway found someone, someone's loved one, you know, and, and it's just, it's just an open graveyard of our world that these bodies have been found and not been found are just out here. And it's just, it's insane to me that people can just go about their day and not be affected by that, but let it happen to them. And then they'll realize, you know, they, they understand the impact then and the desperation that comes along with that, you know, waiting and hoping. And, you know, it's like, how many times do you hope this will be the tip? This will be the search. This will be the answer. And to only walk out of those woods and have to look in the mother's eyes yet again. And I couldn't even find her a bone, you know, because now she's even graveled down to that part. Like, I just want you to find a bone. They start out with, I want you to find them alive. I want you to, you know, they have all this hope. And then it goes, then they start the bargaining process. Okay, God, just let them be found and I'll change my life forever. And, and then it's like, can we just find a bone for DNA? I mean, it just sucks. This whole system and it just doesn't end i mean times change you know and you see everything changing but missing people don't change the same suffering the same mess is going on and you know yes we get better technology to solve cases and stuff but there's still an aftermath you know it's kind of like a war zone that nobody sees it's that aftermath and and i can stand in a grocery store line and tell you how many victims are in that line that have been through a murder or have been through a rape or have been through a missing person or suffering a missing person. Like it's all in their face. It's in their eyes. And it's just crazy to me that, you know, we got on an airplane one time, me and Mark, and I said, Oh my God, look at that woman. And he's like, what? And I said, she's crying. He goes, Monica, not everybody. I said, Nope, she's going to a plane. They either found her daughter or she just found out she's missing. She's tore up. And he goes, Monica, not you don't know everything. And he was giving me the grief. And then as we the plane starts to take off, she reaches down in a bag and gets an eight by ten frame photo out, sitting there looking at her daughter while she's the plane's taking off and she's bawling and her husband's patting her on the back. And I looked at him and he goes, All right, all right, I'll give you that one. Oh yeah, the frame photograph is like the international symbol. It's going on constantly uh, all around us. And you know, you guys know that. I mean, and thank God we have better photographs today and better places to, to house them because back in the day, you know, I've got cases where we had to, they, they were so poor, they, you know, and the kid just started school and couldn't even, didn't even have a photograph, the family photograph, like they didn't have access to cameras and whatnot so many years ago. 
and to sit down for four days with the family to generate just a image of this child so we could age progress it, you know? And that's just one of the things you'll try. But that's one thing I want people to know about you and Lisa on Allison's case. Some of the things that have been tried. I mean, Nancy Grace took this case up and put it out there on the national level. Y'all have made pleas for witnesses to come forward. And then I remember talking to Lisa and saying, hey, have you heard of the MVAT? And she goes, no, what is that? So Lisa and Monica went to the police department to watch the MVAT in action. So they attended that training. And what they learned is the MVAT is this small little machine. And if you think in your mind, a mini carpet cleaner, that's the way it kind of looks. And that's the way it kind of operates. It is a sterile, wet vacuum. And the MVAT, it sprays this solution onto whatever surface you're trying to get evidence from. And at the same time, the solution is being jetted out. It's simultaneously being vacuumed right back up off that surface. The solution kind of loosens the DNA, and then the vacuum sucks it up into this sterile bottle, and then it's transferred onto this filter. It's magnificent to watch, and they've had great luck not just on clothing and rope and things like that, but they've gotten DNA off rock, off bricks, off some unusual items. It has literally transformed how we get DNA off of potential evidence. And the next thing I know, there stands you and Lisa with the Wilmington police getting trained on the MVAT with Jared Bradley. And that's the kind of thing I want people to understand. Y'all are not just okay, that's interesting. Maybe we can try that. Y'all are action-oriented people. And sometimes that's what it takes. And I told Lisa, I said, look, it's a long shot because they were in the elements for so long, but it's a shot. And I said this to her then, I believe it now, and I'm going to repeat it. I do not know why this horrible thing happened to her sister, but here's what I do know. Because of that, Allison is going to be able to help thousands of victims because Wilmington got that in that. And now it's going to be used on rape cases, homicide cases, aggravated assault cases, missing persons cases where things are recovered. And Allison is the reason that happened. That is very true. And I've said the same thing to Lisa. I said, because of her death, I said, you know, things will happen differently in cases, whether it's an affected investigator, like, well, I don't want to make that mistake again, or to technology or to whatever. I mean, you know, when Allison's case started, I mean, I was the first thing I was like, we got to get her DNA into CODIS, you know, just in case there's any remains found and, and whatnot. The worst thing you want to do is wait until there's a body found and then go to a family saying, hey, you know, we need your DNA. Like it, it traumatizes them even further. And I try to always tell investigators, you know, once you're a couple months into your case, if you think at all that this person could possibly be deceased, you need to go ahead and do the DNA and get that from the family and stuff. And, you know, you just learn along the way. I remember when CODIS first came out taking missing person cases in the mid 90s, everybody was like, oh, you know, I'm not giving my DNA and stuff. And I don't know, we we just advocated and we did public events and I teamed up with numerous different FBI events and stuff and 
you know, because it's like, look, this is a step into technology. This is a step in a place we need it. And it's solved. It has solved so many cases of unidentified people. And now you've got the genealogy stuff coming up and all this other stuff that's, you know, it's just you got to keep up with the times as far as technology. But a lot of these cases have never even afforded to be looked at to get caught up to today's date, you know? You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Lisa, it was important for me to have you and Monica on together. Y'all have teamed up. Y'all have been partners on this thing from the start. The two of y'all are the reason I got involved. You know, I don't think it can be overstated that because of your work and your tenacity and just not giving up and not being afraid to knock on every door and kick some in, sugar, there are tools that are available now, not just in Wilmington, but in North Carolina, because of you and because of Allison. Cheryl, I, I just want to say, too, that I think that's one of the things that, you know, this this tragedy that's occurred in the life of, of my family and really in the life of my nieces, their mom is is gone. I, I, I am proud every day that I, I am with you and Monica, like Allison's case is going to solve other cases. And maybe her death isn't, isn't in vain. It's, you know what I mean? That if it helps other people along the way, then, you know, that, that means something to me for sure. I can flat tell you it's not in vain. I can flat tell you what's going to come from it. It already has. I mean, there's no question about it. When I saw that one picture that you sent me with you and Monica there with law enforcement from Wilmington and Jared, I thought, there you are. And then they're going to be able to go out and say, wait a minute, look what we've done here. Now the surrounding cities and counties of Wilmington right. know about it. So now you've got a whole state right. that's affected. I'm telling you, she did that. And, and, and you know, I appreciate one thing. He's not the chief of police anymore in Wilmington. He's retired, Ralph Evangelist. But one thing he always said to me, and every time I saw him, you know, don't you ever stop. And Monica said this too, it's the squeaky wheel that gets oiled. He goes, and you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Agreed. 
Well, I just want to say one thing on a personal note, Monica. I'm going to talk directly to you for a second. I got a call from a high school friend in a complete panic because her nephew had gone missing in Tennessee. And I was the only person that she knew connected to law enforcement, and she was literally begging for help. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I know tons of canine folks in Georgia, but I just I didn't know what to do. And then I was like, yes, I do. And I called you and I told you the little that I knew, you know, where his car was found and the time frame. You immediately contacted your folks and got them where they needed to be in Tennessee. And of course, it didn't have the outcome that we prayed for, but the family got answers quickly and that was necessary. And so again, you know, it's not something you want out there. You didn't want any posting about it or praise about it. And that's just you. But for me to have somebody like you to call is such a godsend. And I just want people to know you didn't want any money. You didn't want any medals or awards or anything. <laughs> I've said it privately, but again, publicly, I appreciate you and I thank you, Monica. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, as far as our donors and stuff, you know, I know it's important to put out there what your successes are and things like that. And and what people don't even understand sometimes my board gets on me all the time and other people like, we need to do this and we need to, I said, I don't have time, you know, because when you're out searching for missing people or answering the call to families and whatnot, you just, you're not in an office. It's not like, you know, you can you constantly be available, you know, to do all of this stuff. And that's why we need so many volunteers because the office stuff is important and what have you, but that's not where I want to be. I always said, if I ever became a millionaire or had, you know, a huge donation, like I would hire somebody to do that job. So it would free me up so I could just live in the woods and go out and find these people and spend more time in these communities to work on these cases and stuff. I just, I'm blessed with so many different people that, care and that are willing to go with me even my husband said one time on his birthday he was we were trying to organize a pig picking and 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 I had a search that weekend too and he goes well now nobody's going to come to the pig picking because they're all going to be with you and I said well honey he goes you know I don't understand I can't even get 40 people to come for free to eat my food he says but you can get 200 people on a Saturday morning to go through the woods with you for for nothing and I said well I can bring them all over to your pig picking and feed them when we're done, you know, love it. <laughs> but it's the truth, you know, like these people, they, you know, they give up their time, leave their families, their grandkids, they put off appointments. I mean, I've seen it firsthand, you know, where I, I got a daughter's appointment, but let me see if I can put it off or what have you just so they can go and be there and, and try to help bring some kind of resolve. Cause that's the one thing they'll say, well, if we can get them home by Christmas, it'd be a blessing that family. Or if we can get them home by the birthday or, you know, let's, let's try to get this done quickly. And sadly, there's not enough people like us or programs like us that exist to help all of the people at one time, you know? And that's why so many cases fall to the wayside and lack of education and lack of training for law enforcement and lack of pay for law enforcement to take it up, you know? Because a lot of their cold cases and cases that linger on are, are mainly missing people and homicides. It's not, you know, the robberies or things like that. They're solving those, but it's these kind of complicated cases that just need a little bit more time 
and they're not always afforded to give it because they're thrown back on other cases or, you know, they have a protocol to keep up with to to solve cases. And, and it's just, it's sad. It's sad the whole way around. But, you know, in our little part that we do and our successes, we definitely celebrate, you know, even though they're sad moments and a lot of them are body recoveries, we know we answered the call for help and we completed our mission was to bring resolution and bring that person home one way or another. We're executing our mission daily and we just have to, you know, stay focused on it. Well, y'all, y'all are listening to some of the best wisdom from the GOAT, the greatest of all times. I mean, that's, that's wisdom. I mean, just soak it up is all I can tell you. If you have any information on who murdered Allison Foy and Angela Nobles Rothen, there's a tip line, 910-343-3600. Contact the Wilmington Police Department and let them know what you know. It doesn't matter if it's a little thing and you don't think it's significant. Let them decide whether or not it's significant. You may have the information that could crack this case wide open. Y'all, I'm going to end Zone 7 like I do always with a quote from someone from my Zone 7. This quote comes from Carrie Rawson, the daughter of the BTK killer. You might meet somebody on the worst day of their life Stop. Help them. Take care of them. People first. I don't think that could be truer than on Allison's case. I appreciate you coming here today and sharing Allison's story, sharing your story. It just means a lot to me, and I admire everything that you have done. I just am so grateful that you are my friend. I am grateful and honored to be a small part. And I just want you to know, anybody listening, this is not an unsolved case. It's an unproven case. In the next episode of Zone 7, we're going to continue the series on Allison Foy and Angela Nobles Rothen with the district attorney himself, Ben David. So the DA is going to join us and give us the rundown of all that he has tried to do year after year after year to get enough evidence to take Timothy Ione to trial for murder. You do not want to miss this episode. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. 
It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.